0: Welcome to The Backwards, in fact, at Twitter and Gmail under that same name. I have just one question for you. How soon is now?
1: So I took KK to the movies this weekend to see Super Mario Brothers. Uh, We're... Nintendo babies, if you will, so kind of near and dear to the whole start of the video games, and we've often mentioned that we kind of grew up with technology as well. I mean, the first the first set we had was Atari, which is <laughs> kind of strange, and and now look at video games. So Nintendo actually put out this movie; it was actually made by them. Uh, the storyline once you get into it, like I haven't been to the movies in the movie theater. I don't know since COVID, not that many times, but now with the synchronicities, his hitting since, you know, what happened to you and watching a movie with that kind of mindset, especially it's, it's animated. So I don't have any expectations of, this is just going to be the greatest presentation ever. So I'm, I'm watching with that open mind on how these synchronicities are going to hit because I know they're coming and it doesn't even dawn on me. The title is super Mario brothers. So the whole thing is based on two brothers and their adventure to defeat, defeat um, Bowser, which is, comparable to the devil or Satan and, and the evil world. And it starts off basically the plot where I interpret it as they're, they're flying into the astral and Luigi like gets sucked into the evil side and Mario, and it's not even good or evil. That's just the direction they were pulled. So Luigi ends up like on the dark side, And then Mario ends up on what you would say, I guess, the good side or in the whole plot is them getting to Luigi to save him from Bowser and his army, which is kind of like him being lost in the matrix or lost in in the mind and thoughts. (laughs) So I'm, I'm
0: spoiler alert.
1: (laughs) I'm like tripping in the movie. Uh, because all the stuff we grew up on, like with the question marks, they're using all those stars and everything. And um, so the movie goes on and and Mario on the good side is going through like obstacle courses. He's going through training, uh, how he's going to accomplish this with Princess and all the characters that were in uh, Super Mario Brothers. And it gets to the end, and I don't know if you remember the superstar, but I interpreted it as as in the very end that they were like incarnating. The the final test, the final ending was incarnating that solar body or that superstar to where they were basically invincible to – Anything that Bowser would throw at them, no matter what it be. Um, So that happened. And it was so weird because obviously the superstar, they defeated evil. And the screen went black, like before the credits rolled. And this little blob came on, like light blob and said, I bet you thought it was going to be a happier of an ending. Now you're just back to infinite darkness again. Like there was the revolving door. Like, yeah, once you you accomplish all that, and then now you're back to square one in the beginning. There was the infinite darkness. It was kind of it just was, was strange the way it hit in the movie theater. I'm sitting there next to KK and um, you're just looking into the screen, which is infinite darkness. And even the audience that's sitting in the chairs is kind of thrown back because it was, it was literally out of nowhere. They're just like, you thought it was going to be a happy ending. Sorry. It's infinite darkness again. How happy is that? Start all over. Wow. But that's the way a video game goes. What do you... What do you expect once you've. It's time to design again.
0: Yeah, so much of that stuff is so interesting. I mean, as much as we talk about the Matrix and like the investigation I can get into the Wachowskis, like, I don't know, like, where they get that level of awareness from. And then you see it, like you've said before, I mean, you'll see it in commercials seem to have like a level of awareness sometimes. And obviously other movies seem to have levels of awareness. It's like the creativity of the consciousness does kind of speak through the matrix. And you can kind of tune into it and it's interesting. And then that's what's so fun about the Gnostics because they go back through all of the religions and all the religious texts. And as you go back and reassess them, you're like, oh my gosh. I mean, the truth was being revealed in a lot of these ancient texts. And it, it looks as though there's just this constant frequency of the divine that you can kind of um find yourself harmonizing with at i mean all throughout time it's uh it's very interesting
1: yeah it's amazing when it's turned on that you i have something that just there's a switch that flips and it's like okay get ready for the synchronicities and it's not words or anything it's just like switch like here they come it's like almost like something in the mind's eye when i'm about to speak or some cue or some something that pops in is like it's like be ready here here's it something speaks through a sleepness in this world something speaks through it in ways that someone who's awake can understand and we've talked about the Wachowski brothers and the matrix and, you know, whether they're awake or not, but something was coming through, whether that was their imagination that was being used to tell the truth. Um, but you know, whether those guys were like Stephen King and, and, uh, I'm sure if I watched a Stephen King movie and turned on synchronicities that I would, I would see some type of truth in, one or each of those movies, you know I there's a movie out right now with with Super Mario Brothers in the theater, and it's called the The Pope's Exorcist. and if I watch that movie, I'm sure it's gonna be like insane synchronicities as well, and it was meant to be a horror movie, and somehow the story is being told by awake people or asleep people and it's it's one of those strange things that you know even there's verses about it in various um religious books about you know whoever's eyes are open whoever's awakened all things are pretty much happening in the same same way as you see them like the divine story is being told when you're awake no matter if the person is good bad evil ugly whatever the story is the story is still being told and for that awake person that's seeing it it doesn't even matter where it's coming from because we've questioned that all the time like is this person awake that made this movie and honestly i don't even think it matters because you're receiving something and to me that's the only thing that matters
0: yeah i agree and, and cuz you can look at it from like the other point of view too just in terms of like people speaking the truth and i, I osho is my favorite of that because i mean he's known in the culture as a cult leader I mean, he's put in the same category as the notorious cult leaders. And whether you're talking about the movies or whether you're talking about a person, like one of the things that always pops in my mind first is like, who are they talking to? Like, who who do they think their audience is? And with Osho, it's so interesting because the audience is like there (laughs) in red, you know, so you get such a clear view of like the materialistic understanding. Oh, the audience is right there in front of him. And you can tell by the way he talks, he understands that they're all asleep. I heard him say today to some guy, um, he said, once I see your attachments, my responsibility is to attack them. Now, when i hear that i'm like wow but it's he's he's revealing that he's on that next level like he understands his whole audience is ego and that and so he's talking in that way but at the same time when he makes a sentence like that or he makes it known like that he's also talking to me cuz i'm like wow look at him work this ego crowd. So it but there's times where I'm curious because and Osho's a great example because sometimes it's like the message is more for the awakened and sometimes the message is for, more for like trying to snap somebody out of the hypnosis. And Osho's funny because he kind of flows back and forth between those two points. But then when you get these movies and stuff pops up that's like I I don't know like is it there to kind of wink at like a very small percentage of people or is it so ambitious that it thinks it's going to pop somebody out of hypnosis It's just interesting the way that the the way that the uh truth is revealed through like the matrix systems Yeah,
1: you said a lot in 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 that, and you brought up Osho, and I, I don't listen to Osho probably as much as you do, but after a while, I have to turn him on just to get a dose of that fresh air. And, man, I don't know if there's another one out there, man. He is, like, so ridiculously um, on message and so – the the only complaint I have about Osho, I mean, if he spoke like perfect English, it would probably be twice as effective with me. That's the the only complaint I have is just the the language barrier that he has. So some of his points aren't made to where we feel that, as opposed to the language that he grew up speaking. So that's that's if if he spoke like Eckhart Tolle, I feel like it would be whoa, you know, just because of that language barrier. But aside from that, I mean, you know, you can get past that and listen to them. And um, I think I texted you a couple days ago, the death of the mind, this really hit me hard. The death of the mind, man's greatest gift, which is like such a, such a little tidbit of truth, but pretty much encompasses the whole deal like the death of the mind man's greatest gift. There's a point at which that the mind n- doesn't intrude on your being anymore. It doesn't intrude. Um, it's kind of like the master that doesn't dream anymore. The death of the mind encompasses all of that. Um, d- all into play with, you know, the astral being able to leave the body at will at that point. Uh, it's, There are times in meditation you get to that, but the encouraging thing I think for you and I is that like there's a there's a point in time where you come to a precipice or come to that what we we see as what you could call a goal or a spiritual goal, although we don't have a number on it like or really have any ambition of it happening in the next hour, next day or next week we both I think agree and feel like there's a, a point at which you come to the precipice or come to the point for all your hard work and discipline that you've transcended everything that you've set out to do. And the death of the mind is like the ultimate because that the moment that happens, that shift happens. And for you that, that it kinda happens in the beginning when you get that first initial awakening, like the mind dies for in your case, two weeks. But it, it itches to get back. It, it it claws back. And then you start working backwards for the, you know, sake of you know, the journey, I guess, or, you know, the sake of earning it, if you will. Um but Osho is a man that I see as one of those masters that he's had the death of the mind. Like when he speaks, there's nothing interfering with the antenna, like nothing. I've I've never, I've never heard Osho with anything that comes in that interferes with the antenna. And that's like the ultimate goal in spirituality. That's, that's, that's why we do what we do and talk about it and record our journey.
0: Yeah, I, I agree, and it, that's why I, I am always just curious with the um, with the level of truth coming out, and when I sense that truth. But I'm in terms of like where that truth is being aimed, and I think I think it just kind of stems from like if you go back pre awakening, and you talk about spirituality. Like, everybody is put into three categories. Every, you're either a believer, you're an atheist, or you're an agnostic. You're somebody who comfortably is okay with the position of, I don't know. And that seems to, at the time, encapsulate everybody. Like, everybody fits into one of those three categories. But after the awakening, you, you realize, like, oh, my gosh, I'm out of all three of those categories. And there's other people operating out of those categories. And I just, before, I didn't even realize that that was possible.
1: Wow, that hits home, man. Because that I love talking about that subject. But the big three that you I just wrote them down. It's that's so true. Believer, atheist, or agnostic. Um, it's so revealing, and probably I. It's probably toxic for my intake, and I shouldn't do this. But there's a, f- a few people, and this is. Something that, yes, I understand it's toxic, but I, I watched the, the chain and I, and I it, it is kind of research because this is what we do and we talk about it. So I try to keep myself um, as objective as possible, but I, I do like looking at those um, situations because you're talking about the big three, the believer, the atheist and the agnostic, and – the agnostic is definitely that person that that's how I looked at you before the awakening. I'm like, I don't really know if Kane needs an awakening. He's already, he's already stopped fighting. Like he's out of that fight. So let's in on, on Twitter. Sometimes you see like the believers arguing with the atheist. So they're like combative, like they're, they're going at each other with their points like they have the need to be right. Like the believer is obviously fighting for his rightness, his religion, his um, everything that he's learned his whole life that to be true as a learned behavior. He's fighting for that rightness. The atheist has is very interesting because atheists are a lot of the people that I have talked to or you could say that. Not not to the level that you had an awakening, but were able to talk to them in in a way that a light bulb went off so yeah, there's two two types of things that happen like me you there was trust in some type of love built up with us to where I could get in and you accepted everything, and there's some kind of awakening but with, with a person that maybe on a friend level and you have an honest conversation for 10 minutes, you can tell them you know the truth. And a light bulb can go off, but it's not a true awakening. So they actually leave being a believer to go be an atheist. So they start fighting and, and, and what happens is that anger and resentment attaches to it. So now they're an atheist who resents basically all the years of the life before, but they still have something to fight for. They still have something to be right about. So now they're in that middle where the atheist was basically had the light bulb moment, but they can't get past still being right. Like I know I did that for years. No, I left that. There is no God. I swear to God. I prayed for 20 years. It's not happening. Now I'm here. I'm, I'm, my position is I'm going to argue there's no God now till the day I die because I know I've been there. And then you have what you described as the agnostic. I don't know which is even further like it's 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 maybe even a bigger of a light bulb going off, but it's it's almost like I don't even want to fight. I don't want to be right. I just want to claim I don't know. And it's probably the most humble thing and probably the closest thing to being able to have a conversation or listen to a podcast like this or have an, an open-minded conversation. Um, it's it's the closest thing to that without submitting. It's I don't know, which is it's pretty humble. And there's probably more agnostic people today in 2023 than – in recent history, I would say more of the population now is, 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 is headed in that direction. It's very interesting you brought up those big three because you nailed it. There is a one, two, and three. And then when you have an awakening, you're like, wow, it, this is this is all out of that. I'm in my own bubble yes. over here. Right.
0: I mean... First, I want to speak on the agnostics, um, just in terms of like relatability, like um, I was one, I was one for forty seven years. And you were a damn the, good one. Ag- yeah, I was a damn good one, and yeah, you you've definitely pegged me there, but there is something of such beauty with the agnostic. I mean, a lot of times they're kind of the butt of the joke. Like, they're the ones that haven't made up their minds. Um, I've heard them in, like, stand-up comedy, like the George Carlin-type comedy or the Bill Maher-type comedy. Um, like, they, the real intellectuals kind of pick on them. Like, you just don't have the balls to make the materialistic stand. Like, you got to keep your mind open to, uh, you know, a bigger picture thing. But... I do think they kind of fail to realize like, the beauty of the agnostic position because what, you, what it enables you to do is you can basically have long, drawn-out conversations with the atheist, and you don't really feel threatened because you're not really committed. And then you can have long, drawn-out conversations with the believer, and you don't really feel threatened because you're not committed. And it doesn't matter which one you have a conversation with. You can sit in your position of superiority. It's beautiful. You sit in your own position of superiority because I know I'm the one that's comfortable with understanding that I know what I don't know. You're the one who has fooled yourself and you've bridged this big gap with something you want to call belief, but I know you don't even know what that is. So it's this position of superiority that you get to sit in because the believers can't describe anything to you without belief and faith. And then the agnos- uh, the um, atheists can't describe anything to you without belief and faith. And you're the one that gets gets to sit there in this pure state of I'm the one who's the most honest with myself. And so it's, and it's this beautiful position of superiority that you get with most of the crowd. And it's, it's a very, like you said, humbling, reinforcing position. I mean, you will feel really, really good about yourself if you've really thought through intellectually your position of agnosticism. It feels really, really good. I mean, it's, it's a it's a beautiful, gifted way to understand spirituality and, and humanity.
1: And I, I think that was, you talk about a global awakening or us moving in that direction of more people awakening. I think that agnostic viewpoint has kind of cr- been created in the last hundred years or so. Um, based more so i guess cause you have freedoms to say no i'm there's too many i'm not even going to pick like i don't know <laughs> i don't know anything right but i can remember you in those situations when you just described um it was a it was a beautiful place to be because you didn't have a need to be right either the only thing you had right. a need to be right about was the fact that I'm not going to try to be right. I'm just going to admit that I don't know. And and that's the closest thing to like truth or a truth, which actually is the truth. I mean, as an agnostic, just to back off and say, you know, I'm I'm, I'm not even going to argue. I'm going to hear you out. I'm going to have the mind, the open mind. But I'm going to say in my own righteousness, I don't know. Like, I don't. No, and that's that's a it is a truthful statement at that point it's almost like the closest group to awakening because you you've come to the point of of acknowledging that you're going to listen to and have conversations with everyone you're going to have an open mind you're going to mm-hmm. um be able to talk to atheists and believers and no one's going to leave angry. No one's, it's right. not going to be heated. The atheist and believers is heated. Like there's emotion behind it. Like they're supreme right, right fighters. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, um, it's a unique group. And one where I probably thought in my mind, you know, I had my my meditation and I had my path for so many years, but the expectation of the day that happened between me and you was nil because I knew that you are in a point where you don't know. And what's wrong with that? Because anyone in that position is like, it's a very humble way to live your life. Like if you're not, if you're, If you're not awake or you're asleep or, and, and the best position you can be in is I don't know. And, and there's still a little bit of that for me and you. Even after the awakening, we know what we know to press forward. But there's still unseen things that me and you still don't know. But what a what a great place to be. It's like. It's like that, that step before an awakening.
0: Yeah, it's a good place to be. I mean, I can I can see clearly how fortified I was in that position. I mean, I I really built myself into that way of thinking, and but and, but it was it was super intellectual. It was very very well thought out. There was um. There was just a lot of process I put into that. And like you said, the, the, the thing about it is there is nothing about that position that's untrue. There's nothing about that position that, that can be argued with. The only problem comes into play when you're force-fed an experience where now you're in a position of knowing something. And then what that does is it reveals that there's other ways of knowing things other than knowing it with your intellect. But before that, like that wasn't even a possibility. Before that, everything is known through the intellect. But to have the intellect shut down and then have like intuitive wisdom pour in, now you look at yourself and I'm not classified in one of the three. Because my position now is certainly not I don't know. My position is... as sure of that as I am of my own existence. I mean, I can't get any more sure of it than what I am. So it's not agnostic. I'm certainly not a believer because belief doesn't have anything to do with it. And I'm certainly not caught in the idea that everything is just the material world and that's it. So you look at yourself and like you pop out of those categories And you're just sitting around. Luckily, I got you there with me. But yeah, it's like you're a non-classifiable at that point.
1: Yeah. I Like I said, I take a peek at some of the conversations between atheists and believers. um, And the one common denominator, it seems that most atheists have left religion and they have left religion with bitterness and they don't understand how to deal with bitterness. So it's better to say there is no God, take up my, my cross, my atheist cross and say, there is no God in bitterness. And that too is another step because like I said, in my history with people that have left religion, it is extremely difficult let bitterness go but it's so tricky it's so tricky because what and even me like when i when i had when i meditated for the first time and i had that wake up moment i looked back and i thought oh my god everything's backwards and the temptation to to sit there and like sulk and oh my god like how 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 long has the misleading been going on but not only that like compassion comes in because you understand that you know it's the blind leading the blind so but somehow people in religion they they can't let go of bitterness when they go to eighth athe- and that's that's where atheism is born the bitterness of leaving religion is atheism it's it's a created space Um, that I think was born out of religion and two, it's that one step from personal experience. I've seen people go there. I know people that have, I've had say conversations that me and you have that the light bulb went off and they're like, I, I see, but then all of a sudden it turns into they're atheists now. Which was never my goal. Like my goal is never to talk to a believer so that they end up hating God and they are the bitterness overwhelms them. But so if you say say you go have a conversation with say someone who's been involved with religion for thirty years and you're able to speak words of truth and there a light bulb goes off and they come to their senses for a few seconds, but it is no awakening. Well, you still have that thing you're sure of. You just talk to someone that's very trustworthy and shown you something that you can't deny and you're sure of it. Okay, damn, I've been duped for 30 years. Well, if you never have the kind of awakening that you have or you're working backwards, avoiding bitterness is... Impossible. So atheism is created. Like it's impossible without experience to avoid bitterness. And if I never had the, where I seek so hard within and had the moments of experience there, it would be hard. It would just be like yin and yang of that. You, you, you can't leave that and not have bitterness. A good example is Lee Rimney. Beautiful documentary. It's, I, I, I love to watch shows like that because it's the beginning of an awakening, right? It's, it's scratching the surface. She comes to her senses and she's helping people out of, which is a man-made religion. Ron Hubbard, which is, I mean, a goofball if you go back and research him. But it's it's been created like he's Jesus Christ. And now we have Scientology all over the world. It's one of the biggest, baddest religions that you can actually watch be born and evolve in our lifetime. It's pretty cool if you're into that. My point is she's awakening out of this. And I love her to death. Like you can see the light in her, but you can also see like the bitterness has got her. She's bitter still, but why not? Because those bastards deserve her bitterness, they deserve her bitterness, yeah, don't they?
0: yeah, it creates a position of righteousness, yeah, yeah, I agree with everything you just said. i do think uh, I do think it's a little bit different regionally up here where um, it might be, like, generationally ahead. So it's probably true what you said about it, born in religion, but you could have, like, a few generations of atheism up here. So basically, you know, like, atheist kids born to atheist parents that had atheist grandparents. And you can see, like, generationally what happens. But it's so funny because... A lot of the consequence to that seems to be like return to religion, except now their religion doesn't have anything to do with God. Now their religion is some other thing that they put that type of energy into, whether that's political or you know uh, vegetarian or you know whatever it is. Like they will have like some religious affiliation born out of that atheist, it's like a couple of generations spent in that time and they come full circle like back to religion but they can't like you said there's so much bitterness they can't actually go there to religion but they like are searching to express that religious seeking somehow And it ends up, I think, creating like a lot of like the political turmoil that we're dealing with these days. So uh, you're saying that.
1: Well, generate over generations and two, I see it the other way, like. A couple generations of atheists actually creating a bunch of agnostics, too. Like it going that way to where it's yeah. like, well, I'm not completely sure. Like I can't sit here and say there is no God because I do hear about these people meditating and, you know, there's, there seems to be something more. I don't know what it is. So they just, I don't know.
0: Yeah. There's a, there's a humble aspect there that there, that definitely some people can work towards, but it's, it's funny cause it's frowned upon like the ones like, if you talk about like a scientific family, like there's families where, you know, like academia and like scientific and like Neil deGrasse Tyson will talk like this. And it's like that materialistic view. And he pushes that material material materialistic view, like all the way back to the big bang. And he doesn't find God anywhere in there. And so he has this like very, like, Mathematical equation. It's like I've looked at everything, and there is no God, and so he can't accept somebody saying I don't know because, like, we know, we like we did all the equations. We know, he's not there. Like, so they get that hard line, and to even take a step back to the agnostic is like not acceptable for a lot of them. Like they got they they're trying to hold that crowd, like to to like this new atheist mm. movement. Yeah. And we know, right. It it's yeah. And any, anybody who wants to say, I don't know, well then you just don't understand what, what we do know. Is
1: he a declared atheist? Neil yeah, deGrasse I Tyson. Don't know
0: if... he, yeah. So he's like one of the outspoken, you know, like Sam Harris is another great example. Yeah.
1: Really? He's like, an atheist.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That one of those um uh, I don't understand how as much as he supposedly meditates but um yeah, a lot of those like really hard intellectuals that won't even accept like that little step back. I mean, the one that I always thought in terms of the collective consciousness that got it right was Joe Rogan. I mean, he was the one that was always saying you know, just the idea of, my gosh, there's just a lot out there. There's a lot of open space. Like, how how are we not comfortable just kind of saying, like, we, we don't know everything. Like, there's, there's just too much. I mean, Agnostic. as far as we know, you keep going that way. Yeah, and it goes to infinity. So in terms of, like, the public persona, I think he was the one that really kind of helped the agnostics out in terms of making that position more acceptable for people. But up here, like you were saying that the religion creates the agnostics or creates the atheists. But up here, what you see is the atheists get so hardcore that they, that it's it's almost religious.
1: Yeah. So yes, Sam Harris. Okay. I didn't know he was an atheist, but uh, as you were speaking, Isn't that, I mean, don't we have to define what God at that point, like Sam Harris, not being, taking the position of atheist who meditates. Um, I, I think for me, my definition of God changed in my bubble now outside of believer, atheism, agnostics, and, um, defining what god is now is what to me is maybe alarming about sam harris because yeah for for him to be a hardcore atheist it's and this is the direction i've gone too like when you're when you're grown up in a believing type atmosphere you have the image of god you have an image of far away god they have an image of a face you're going to see, a prize at the end of life. Like that all changed so intellectually you would call me an atheist after an awakening. Because God was nothing, not even close to what I, in a believing system, what it was. So a Sam Harris saying, yeah, I'm an atheist. I don't – I think a lot of the atheists are still at the point where they're saying there is no faraway God like that. There is no image. Like why do you keep putting yeah. – so to that, you would say – like people – what I'm trying to get at is people would call me an atheist right now because they would be like, oh, Luke, yeah. do you believe in this faraway God? And i will be like, no. But well, I'm telling the truth. Well they oh you're an atheist. Well it's too long a story to have this conversation, so we're not gonna do that. But they would label <laughs> me an atheist. That's right. the label I would get. Right. After everything went down, my idea of God is something that I'm sure of, but nothing that nothing I ever thought. I mean to think of consciousness and how i was looking from a bird's eye view today at a mass of people on the earth and just where we're at as far as the entire population and i thought to myself consciousness nobody gets consciousness pretty much the masses are asleep and nobody understands like to wake it up just a little bit where we go from there. Like just to, just in, just in my dreams alone, like I'm, I'm being shown like everywhere you turn, everyone's a freaking sleep. But when you're talking about in the five D too, like I think that's all a part of this right now. When you go, into those dark places it's not that they're dark it's that everyone's asleep and in my mind i'm like wow if 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 we all wanted to understand what god was if 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 we could just wake up just a little bit and i'm talking to myself too like in that place it's the evolvement of consciousness and i looked at us as a globe as a bunch of two-year-olds, not even two-year-olds like on like on the level of consciousness, we are in this particular place, in the middle of wherever the hell we're at, we all are infancy staged to consciousness, like not even close to understanding how much power we have in our consciousness within. And that's my idea of God is I know this much, but it's enough to, to make me press on. I, but I know this much, but, but I'm sure of this much, like I already know it's there. You brought up the movie. What was the name of that movie? Lucy, Lucy, that movie depicts, uh, in science or intellectual, they talk about us using like 3% of our brain where you translate that to consciousness, I think that's kind of mm-hmm. what the point is to be made. Like when you're, so I'm at 2% or 3%. The whole movie is about, you know, her taking that drug that she gets to a hundred percent, but it's all about consciousness. Like when you get to hundred percent consciousness yeah. all along the way, you're sure of what God is, but the journey from 3% to 4% to 5% to 6%, is freaking unbelievable it has nothing to do with yeah. belief but everything to do with experience so when i think about you you pull up sam harris and say i'm atheist of course people would say because sam harris is like no i don't believe in a god on a throne like that's impossible
0: yeah, yeah i think osho says um God is everything, and then he kind of pauses and and he says, God is nothing too. And it's, it's that deep frequency that can change inside you that can just open your eyes a little bit, and then you realize, I mean, it really is, you realize that there is no difference between myself right now and the Christ. I mean, you have like literally the son of God, which we've been grown or we've been taught that story our whole lives, but now like you are it. Like I'm the son of God. Like I am the same thing as Jesus, except Jesus was like you said, way past this little 3%. He was way towards the end of that process. And so the whole path is laid out, and then it's like, and everybody else is too. It's not that I'm special. I just happen to be able to, for a moment, look past myself. And, yeah, understanding all that, it's definitely like your, your definition of God changes, and it's it's certainly all about consciousness, but I mean it's instead of trying to figure out like what God is, you, you you're kind of forced into the question of like, well, what God isn't, and then you just realize there's there's nothing there to even talk about. It's literally everything. And then just like Super Mario Brothers, it's back in the void and then i'm in the beginning and let there be light like you're there as the original consciousness it's complete insanity and then the question begins who am i and it's like w- what is this cycle of divinity that i can relate to like uh, in in my own being how is that possible it's it's a uh, it's a fun relationship you can develop with uh, with all that, and then you know you start asking it questions like that, start planting seeds, and it, it more and more can be be revealed through experience, just like you say.
1: You start realizing your mouth is water, <laughs> the air you breathe, everything translates. Yeah, everything is alike in principle principles that you see outside so with inside as above, so below but same thing with as you see visually so you see inside or so you so you seed the sows you seed yeah it's it's I'm I'm grateful for the experiences that I had in consciousness because astral experiences to me were, um, you know, those are those meters where you're 2% and like you go to 3%. Because without those experiences, I don't understand like consciousness, oh, it's outside of Luke, like outside of Luke body, like outside of 3D. Like this really is so freaking temporary. It's not even funny. So the death of the ego is about realizing how temporary your form is. Who am I? What is my purpose here? My purpose is really to perfect the next stage of my evolution of consciousness and enjoy it every step of the way. Yeah. And if I let the deadly seven in, in any way it inhibits my growth
0: Yeah, it's it's true. And I when you start investigating it like we're doing, when you start working backwards, and then you start to realize like I mean, that's why, you know, the Buddhists and like the ethics and I mean that's where all that stuff comes in because they have such a such a more clear idea of mechanically, how do you understand these ethics because it's so tricky like it's 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 maintaining your own thoughts and understanding that that even your negative thought and how it has ripples inside yourself and showing you that your Your unawareness to that concept is literally the thing that's pushing you away from God. That whole process, if you're not aware of it, then you're you're literally sliding further and further from God as you proceed through life. And as soon as you have awareness of that, it's not like this religious thing where... Um, you know, like I feel like I need to be close to God, like for some, you know, religious accolades or something. It's like, there's no option anymore. It's like, I can't stand to feel myself practically moving away from it anymore. So the first thing is like, how do I put the brakes on it? Right. And then you're, and then the second thing is how do I start going in the other direction? And that seems to be like the only real questions. And then as soon as you put a little momentum in that direction, it's like it just clears up questions like meaning of life and purpose and all those things because you begin to understand that the project you're working on is... something that you're going to take with you i'm working on this consciousness that will go beyond the state of this form like the stuff that i'm working on i'm going to take with me through death